tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. Welcome back to Pulse Radio here on Pulse Sports. I'm your host, Ariel Kilgore. Again, doing it by myself. So, you know, me me and Randall came to the conclusion we're getting into, like, double season. So you got basketball, you got football, you got the World Series going on, maybe your first championship in so many years for Atlanta. So we just thought we kind of separate. Of course, we are going to miss him, but I'm telling you, I'm going to hold down the fort to the end of the season. We got you. And plus, who doesn't want more content? Double the content, double the us, double the fun. What more can you honestly ask for? But you guys already know, it's been a crazy weekend. Um, Back at it again with Color Cast, kind of watching these other games. You know, we had our second bye week of football. And um, this bye week just wasn't hitting the way that I thought it was. It just, it wasn't giving the life that the first bye week did in week six. Like, we had some really close games, three overtimes, some injuries just a little bit. And, you know, our first time seeing the Raiders without their resigned head coach, John Gruden. Now we go into week seven, and it's mostly blowouts. And that just wasn't interesting for me because the Browns game, the Brown game set the tone on Thursday. So, okay, 17 to 14, we're going to have a real good week, some really good matchups. They definitely disappointed me. So, I'm going to go ahead and get into that. And then we got some new stuff kind of kicking off today, too. But let's go ahead and get into these scores. Starting off on Thursdays, the Browns, this is what I'm saying, the Browns beat the Broncos 17 to 14, last minute field goal. Then we get into Sunday, the Packers beat the Washington football team, we'll never get over that name, 24 to 10. The Titans dominated the Chiefs 27 to 3. The Falcons in a near field goal winning against the Dolphins 30 to 28. The Jets being blown out by the Patriots 54 to 13. The New York Giants winning their second game of the season against the Panthers 25 to three the Bengals blowing out the Ravens after they had that blowout game last week 41 to 17 the Eagles losing to the Raiders 33 to 22 this is their second game winning without their head coach John Gruden the Rams winning against the Lions 28 to 19 the Texans falling to the Cardinals 31 and 5 and now the Cardinals are 7 and 0 the only undefeated team left in the NFL the Buccaneers dominating the Chicago Bears 38 to 3 the Colts winning against the 49ers 30 to 18 and the Saints topping off in a last minute field goal what a heavy defensive game 13 to 10 against the Seahawks Oh, that was definitely a lot, definitely just a lot of action, mostly blowouts happening this weekend. But besides just the blowouts, they gave me some other things to watch, kind of some big news that is going on in the NFL right now. So we're going to go ahead and get to our first topic. The trade deadline is coming up in the NFL. It is November 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. And there are some big trades that could happen between teams, especially with the Falcons and the Dolphins. But we're going to go ahead and get into the Dolphins first they are thinking of acquiring Deshaun Watson so we all know right now there are 22 cases against him of sexual assault Um, some of them kind of minor some of them actually really major and either way we do not support any of the mistreatment of any individuals female and male by anybody but these cases come 
from massage therapists or higher massage therapists from him that um, now accuse him of being sexually assaulted. Like I said, there's 22 cases against him and he was not declared inactive for the season. He was active on the roster. They just decided not to play him. I would basically say for um, just public relations control, publicity control, you don't want to play a player that has domestic violent cases, sexual assault cases against him. So they were like, you know what? It's no point for him to still be sitting here. Maybe, you know, we trade him because of luck. Right now, they are down bad in the season and it's not looking any better. And since the cases are still pending, none of them have gone through the trial or for any arraignment. He's just sitting right now. You don't want to play a player that has all this stuff going on. So there were two teams that were looking at him. Y'all guys all heard my theory last week about letting him go to the Falcons. I just really think that was such a smart move, but that's really off the table. It was just a theory, like I said, and it was between the Panthers and the Dolphins. The Dolphins actually having a better deal when it does come to trying to trade up, just mostly for draft picks, not really any players that would be any special significance if they did lose, but just playing up their first round draft pick and their second round draft pick in 2022 and 2023 for Deshaun Watson. Not really bad, can be costly. We all see that the defense this year for the Dolphins is absolutely terrible. So if they want to build one thing, that would be the defense. And losing these top two picks could be costly in the future. But if you acquire a great quarterback, and let's just remind you, he was a 12th pick in the first round of 2017. He is not a bad quarterback at all. Had led Clemson to a couple of championships and consecutive playoffs within the years of going there. And he's still fresh. It's only been three years. He still has that ability to escape the pocket, to be able to throw those wrong goals, find players, really focus. He would have been, if none of this bad stuff would have happened, it would have kept progressing close to what Lamar Jackson is or even better. That's just my assumption. You also have to take into account this is to his first time back since playing against the Jaguars that he hasn't been hurt, you know, recovering from blitz twice the first time coming into the league and his second year here. So it's, you know, if you have that backup quarterback that is able to stay on the field and is not really injury prone, then that's a win-win situation. However, is it the best place for him? Because now if you think about the Panthers, the Panthers wouldn't mind having a new quarterback in their possession. However, they're not trying to make that deal and have that publicity of, oh, we're going to let him play if these cases are not resolved. Now, if Tua does decide to stay healthy, and if he can stay healthy, we probably will never see Deshaun Watson play. Not just because of the cases that he has going on, but Tua still has time to develop and turn over being a good quarterback plus it's not necessarily the quarterback situation that is going on besides him being hurt with the Miami Dolphins is really more of management and if they can decide to get or afford a new coach maybe a little different coaching staff kind of seems to be the running trend of bad teams with consecutive losing streaks so it's a lot going on with Deshaun Watson if he can or cannot play in a fortunate situation that has presented upon itself. But more or less, it's, it's going to have to be a decision made before next week. And I would just think Miami would be a better place for him just to kind of 
grill it out and get himself situated and together. And you don't want to be in the atmosphere where your coaches don't trust you. The organization's kind of just falling off on you. So a trade isn't a bad thing. It's just his options aren't as good either. Speaking of quarterback situations, that is not the only thing that is going on. Of course, other teams are still trading. They're still in these deadlines because there are some people they need to get rid of to acquire themselves in a better position with playoffs almost around the corner. We'll be in week eight, have about nine, ten weeks left. It's getting close to crunch time. And a lot of these teams have been fluctuating. You see the Chiefs are in the worst position right now, not being able to hold their defensive line or move the offense. They could acquire some offensive wide receivers as well, maybe a new running back. However, in earlier news, the Eagles decided to trade quarterback Joe Flacco to the Jets for a conditional six-round pick. If we all think about it, Right now, the Jets and Zach Wilson, um, who we'll get to talk about later, are not the best. Not saying that Zach Wilson is incapable of being a quarterback. He's just not fit to be in that situation right now as a rookie compared to Mac Jones. Mac Jones is considerably not doing as bad as being a first-round draft pick, nor is Trevor Lawrence. However, why would you trade your first-round draft pick, the number one choice, just because of a bad season. I say you need to get rid of the coach down there for the Jaguars. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Little selfish, shameless plug in there. But trading Joe Flacco to the Jets is not a bad decision. Putting them in a better situation, if they do decide to just keep Zach Wilson as the backup quarterback, just kind of bench him for a season, let him learn. He had no one to teach him or try to condition him to start in the league. He's kind of picking up where the Jets left off, which was a bad season last year, a really bad record, last in their division, to now still being in their last division this year, just having a young quarterback. So once he gets that training, once he kind of sees what Joe Flacco can do, because he's been absolutely watching him from the Ravens, a little bit from the Eagles. He's been all around the league. So just seeing him there and having kind of like a big brother to train him in a way wouldn't be bad for the Jets. But most of these trade-offs that are happening are defensive trade-offs around the league. And that's what's been a big key when it comes to the NFL. Of course, your offense is important. Being able to score is important. And most of the teams have hacked the key, which is their running game. Your running back and your fullbacks, fullbacks have been put to the test this year in the season, are going to help you score those points on the ground and get in front and really drive into those heavy defensive linemen. But other than that, by scoring, you have to be able to stay ahead, which is your defense. So there are a couple of picks that could be up in the air for different teams. Two teams that definitely come to mind are the Titans that are trying to acquire Eagles defensive end Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett had the potential to go first round. As big and as statuous as he is, he would be a great addition to that Titans defense. They're already pushing from their loss two weeks ago, now coming back from a weak win. They were looking pretty good, not to, you know, y'all know me. I, I Now, you know, I'm back to Head and Derek Carr, even though they've been absolutely excellent. Can't wait to start talking about them. Um, I, Julio Jones just no longer has my heart. However, if the Titans want to prove once again, losing the offensive coordinator to Atlanta 
who actually made Derrick Henry and who made their quarterback, they need to sustain their defense because they're about to face a lot of opponents in these next coming weeks that are going to challenge them to stay at the top. So getting Barnett isn't a bad deal. However, he hasn't really shown that pro bowler caliber that everybody is looking for. And he kind of lacks discipline when it comes to that defense. However, they do have a defensive coach on the Titans that were able to whip him up in shape. That wouldn't be a bad trade for them. Another one that I was actually certainly looking at, which would be an amazing addition if they did get him. Chiefs can be looking at a real key deal here if they acquire Lions defensive end Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers has been a pro bowler once and he's a veteran in the league. So that would be a really great plus on that defensive end for the Chiefs. Have they been absolutely struggling Putting up new stats that we've never seen in the franchise, allowing most of the teams that they compete against a touchdown within their first drive and maybe a touchdown in their second and third only in the first quarter. To be losing by double digits deficits, that's not like the Chiefs. For them to be a high contender in my preseason as well, that they would possibly go back to playoffs. And right now with Patrick Mahomes kind of dealing with a concussion, he says he's okay, but mentally I just feel like he's not there anymore in this season. And the Chiefs are going through offensive struggles that they have never had before. So if they can fix that offensive, I feel like when it comes to your offense, some of those are like really easy to fix fix because it's not necessarily that you always have to fix the mentality but just adding players around them and building the players around them it's fine when it comes to your defense that's something that teams really have to focus on and something that has to be up to par because if you have a great offense but a failing defense you will really go nowhere in the season and once they get their defense rolling I feel like that would be the pressure point the Tita Tartar, the leaning point, the point, you get the point. It would be the point for the offensive line to be like, hey, if our defense is doing it, we can do it too. Those are just a couple of names that have been out there right now. The Chargers looking at running back Marlon Mack. That's actually a really good decision. And the Falcons possibly trading Hayden Hurst to the Bills, which I don't think the Bills need any more weapons they already have. Now, that you think about it, the Falcons now have two Titans, two fantastic Titans between Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts. And if they wanted to, they could put Hayden Hurst in a different position. He's also known to be a really great safety. He could switch sides if he wanted to. However, having two tight ends in Atlanta is no longer necessary and not really beneficial. And in my in my perspective, I feel like they should keep him. Um, just in case, uh, Atlanta players are known, I mean, it's a league thing, but just in Atlanta, it's they're very injury prone just because they're trying to be a team that they essentially aren't built for. The Atlanta Falcons have never really had like critical athletic players besides Julio Jones and Gonzalez really is kind of being one of them. Freeman used to be one, but we don't have those strong, explosive players like we do. And the ones that we do have, which who I definitely love his work at the how he is, AJ Terrell, they are mostly getting hurt. And then Calvin really was out for a game or two just based on his hamstring. So we have offensive, and I'm speaking we, like, y'all know me, this is my team. The Falcons have proficient players, but they aren't efficient enough to stay on the field. So just in case, you know, I don't want to put this in the atmosphere. 
But just in case something does happen to Kyle Pitts, you don't want to get rid of a reliable second choice, which is Hayden Hurst. I just don't think that's really a smart move. Unless the piece that you're acquiring is something that you would like defensively. And I would definitely support it because the Falcons are lacking in that area. But just to trade him for a six-round draft pick, which you don't know who you really might get and not something that's like second and third round, I don't think it's worth the risk. Um, I really feel like you should take me up on my offer, Falcons, about this quarterback situation. But like I said, we're going to leave that alone. But those are just some interesting picks that are happening around the NFL. We will definitely see on November 3rd who goes where and how it might affect the league. We are going to circle into a new segment um, just because I want to have some fun with you guys. And there have been times that me and Randall had to eat our words because we were just completely wrong about the predictions or how we feel about a player. So this next segment is called Eat Your Words. And today I'm eating mine about Derek Carr and these Raiders. They are now 2-0. and oh without John Gruden. We all know his situation, you know, as being racist, homophobic, just some terrible, disgusting emails. Well, they just seem to be doing absolutely great without him because two episodes ago, me and Brenda was just holding a real nice funeral, holding a visual, RIP to the Raiders and their hopes of the playoffs. They are now five and two with their assistant coach that sound like bread, Bashia. I'm, you know, I, I do not want to say I'm proud. I do not want to give them any credit. Yes, I'm going to play devil's advocate and be disrespectful. However, they are looking like a team that I have never seen before. They won against Denver and Philadelphia these past two games with 10-point margins. They haven't done that since week one and two with John Gruden as their head coach. But that's not only the main difference that they're getting back into winning games with larger margins. They are looking smarter and more confident. This is just a completely different team. Derek Carr is making more precise decisions. He's looking to his head coach a little bit more of a confident trust booster between them. I don't know if that's like a personal thing or not, but you know what? I'm going to let him have it. He looks absolutely different from the Derek Carr that started the season with. Now they're about to have a bye week. And when they come back, they play the Giants and they play the Chiefs. The Giants just came off winning their second game. And defensively, the Giants, without, you know, all the Giant bashing, they can hold their own. And their offensive line, their front linemen are not bad. They just don't know how to make it down the field. But I feel like that is an easy game here on Eat My Words that they should be able to beat. Now, the Chiefs, Trying to make that comeback, I don't know if the Chiefs will necessarily win that battle against the Raiders just because the Raiders have a different persona about them now. They're getting their numbers up and having Warren as their tight end right now. Derek, Derek Waller, actually. Derek Waller is balling. This is his main. Tight ends and fullbacks have made a comeback in the NFL. They were never targeted probably after the late, 2000s they had a little error earlier in the 80s but after the 2000s at 2010 it was wide receivers and running backs now it's fullbacks and tight ends that are taking over the nfl and Derek Derek waller is going to be Derek carr's new person his new target and if you can't stop him these raiders might be looking at the top seed potentially i don't know i give them second but they're definitely going to make a playoff appearance 
But I had to eat my words on them. And Crosby. Crosby has been coming back on them, too. They're just unstoppable with these new leadership. So let's just say it wasn't a bad thing losing John Gruden because now you have a coach that's been to a championship that's directing his team great. And these next two wins are for sure. If they can go 4-0 and without John Gruden, this is – I wouldn't necessarily compare it to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You know, that's not – I wouldn't really think of that as just like, ah, that's in your face. But this is definitely a statement piece for the Raiders if they can do it. So I'm eating my words on this. I, I I still have the Raiders hate, but they've been doing great. And they've been showing the possibility that, hey, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Something bad has happened to us. But we, we still going to keep going. Unlike, on the other hand... Um, the Bengals. I'm also eating my words on them. That was the game of the week. Joe Burrow against Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson coming off a blowout last week and now coming in a blowout to Joe Burrow. And let's let's just compare the two quarterbacks really, really quickly. Joe Burrow, we know that he's quick when it comes to throwing his releases as close to Tom Brady he is able to get into the pocket and make those short pass plays those really narrow plays that you love to see that you think that he's not going to get now Lamar Jackson like we all know is an all-around great player he's a runner he's a pass maker he's a playmaker he's really good when it comes to those RPOs he has a really nice quarterback too and some really great wide receiver weapons however they were just stopped at the run they were when I tell you it was brutal like I I didn't get to watch the game like I had to catch all the highlights and I had to catch all the conversations just because the way that media and wiring is set up if you want an in-depth episode on that you're gonna have to hit up my man Randall I know he got you he he really need to come out with a book but you know that's this it's none of my business I'll be trying to buy my business over here on this podcast on the NFL podcast over here at Pulse Sports, but they, whew, that game was just disrespectful at that point. Too many turnovers to count for Lamar Jackson. Too many sacks that happened on that offensive line that they can never have an embarrassing moment again. And I'm eating my words because I give so much credit to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens that they were going to come in and Lamar Jackson was going to run over this quarterback that actually came in around the same time as him. Lamar Jackson just developed better. But he is back to his old ways of giving us what we want. And then when he gets high and mighty, he just wants to be like, oh, never mind. This was this was a fluke. Um, this was just for the moment. I'm still building my character. Consistency is the name of the game, Lamar Jackson. You can't keep doing this. Because if you are, you're going to wind up the coach and everybody questioning you. And we don't want to question another black quarterback. We already don't have them enough. This is actually one of the first seasons that we have an equal, almost almost half, not too, not too much, but almost half the amount, kind of like a 30-40% of black starting quarterbacks and also black starting coaches next to assistant coaches. We don't want we don't want to break that right now. So I mean my words on this game. Congratulations to the Bengals and Joel Burrow. I wish the best for you guys. And Lamar Jackson, don't embarrass me again, man. Like, I need you to do better. But I hope you guys have fun on that segment because I actually like it. I think email words is pretty fun. Just going back and seeing that, hey, you were wrong. And there's nothing 
there's nothing bad about admitting that you were wrong. There's nothing bad about, you know, just taking the fault on some things. That's what you have to do. That's maturity. We should all know it. You know, and a little little thing that happened with Shannon Sharp and DK Metcalf. You know, let's let's take our faults. Let's say when we wrong. We didn't really have this conversation. Just just accept it and go on about it. They didn't have a great game either with the Seahawks, but we're not here to talk about them. That defensive heavy game where nobody scored past the second half of the first quarter until the end of the fourth quarter with a field goal and just the Seahawks just couldn't get back up. They need Russell Wilson so bad, but I, that game is just it's not even worthy for me to talk about. But what is worthy for me to talk about is the heartfelt moment. You guys, I'm not going to kid to you, like rereading the story and just watching it. I, I was, you know, I almost shed a little thug chair, you know, just just a little, just one. It didn't go down to cheat. Like it stopped in the corner and then it said, nah, like I was like, I got to that thug life. I got to be about it. But the Buccaneers were having their game against the Chicago Bears. Um, blowout too, just uh, blowouts, blowouts this bye week. I hated it so much. But one of the players received Tom Brady's 600th ball. He threw over that, of course. But on this play, it was his 600th ball, and he was give. It was given to him by Mike Evans. Um, when Mike Evans realized what the ball was, ah, this is important, you know, but let's really think about it. Like, how how many balls does Tom Brady have? Like, did he really need this one? Was it really an, I mean, it is an accomplishment, but was it really another accomplishment that you need a memorabilia for? Because this man's been breaking records throughout this whole season. He's already broken, like, five and just as the season has started, maybe even more, you you gonna have plaques and records in your name everywhere. Is this ball really something that you need? Anyway, the they go get it back. The officials go get it back, and um, I'm going to tell you what they decided to offer him. After I tell you that there was another little boy in the stands, and he had a sign with his dad in his game. And his sign said, Tom Brady helped me beat cancer. And as you know, that um, the NFL is promoting a lot of campaigns this year. They're promoting um, race, racism crimes, um, any hate crimes. They have stop hay on the back of their helmets. They have it in the end zone. Just really something to go on minorities and to stop the racial injustice that is going on in America. They also have their cancer campaign that is going on right now with their Crucial Cats, where they have done um, these commercials that have shown the Chiefs head coach and also the old Panthers coach, Mike Rivera, who are both cancer survivors. Um, Andy Reid survived cancer twice and other players around, around the league. So Tom Brady during the fourth quarter, the last 30 seconds, went up to him and he gave him a crucial cap. And the video, and actually I, I was able to, well, yeah, I was able to watch this game. I stopped though, because it was a definite blowout. He was bawling just in tears. Like, is we like we all know that there's Tom Brady slander. There's hate, you know, because like, uh, it's Tom Brady. He wins everything. He's just so good. And like, I, you can't take that away from him. But that just shows how heartfelt and just how great of a guy he is. And I know that young fan is just absolutely in awe. Just like, I really can't believe this happened. But back to the other 
fan that was there. It came out on Monday that this fan would receive a $1,000 credit, a 1K credit for Bucks paraphernalia, two season tickets for the remainder of this season and the next, reports of signed jerseys from Tom Brady and Mike Evans, and to receive one of Tom Brady's helmets and Mike Evans cleats. Because there was a lot of stuff going on that maybe he could get a Bitcoin for Tom Brady. Now listen, listen. If it was me, I'm just saying, I think preferably I would like some of the profit or one, at least one of Tom Brady's Bitcoin. Because I just I just think that's worth more than what you gave me. Now what you gave me though is actually absolutely amazing. If Arthur Blank told me, hey girl, that was uh, Matt Ryan's 600 ball that he threw. Can you like um, give that back and we give you all this stuff? I'm going to take it because first of all, that VIP section in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is absolutely nice. I, I sit there all the time. Also, just, you know, maybe maybe they need me. Maybe they need to hear me, you know, go promote post sports real quick and be like, hey, we talking about you. These are our ideas. This is what you need to do. If I, if I can be that influence, Arthur Blank, you know, let me know. But that's absolutely amazing. However, like I said, I would have technically took, if it was up for grabs, the Bitcoin from Tom Brady. But that's that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers organization is really, really giving and really supports and love their fans. And that's basically what football is all about. Kind of coming off the back burner of what basketball does. Um, I feel like basketball does more of this in a way. But, you know, football is catching up. The NFL is catching up. And it's seeing that fans are really important. Going a year and a half, almost two years without fans, is just crucial. Like, watching these games, watching these players, they weren't as motivated. Like, you can say last season was just like, ah, like, what was the purpose? We didn't want that. So now it's great that, you know, the league is showing appreciation for the fans because we mean a lot. The podcasters mean a lot. The journalists, the analysts mean a lot. The commentators mean a lot. It's about time y'all show us some respect. But I love that. I had to tell you guys that. Of course, if anybody was wondering what happened to those two people, because it happened so fast and it was so quick and it was a lot going on. But, like, just think about, like, you blowing out a team like mad bad and I'm breaking records on you I'm visiting fans while my team is literally scoring on you like you gotta understand how raw that is and then if y'all didn't see Tom Brady put out kind of a diss track a couple days ago when he was like hey about to head to our next team the Saints man we we coming for you and um you know I'm just really excited and then comes this like diss track of of Love Sosa by Chief Keith, and it's one of his defensive ends ramming Justin Fields. And I'm like, you did not have to do this man like that. And if y'all know the song Love Sosa by Chief Keith, like that's just a disrespectful song. And for him to put that on top of the really great defensive plays and those really nice touchdowns against them, and then be like, we'll see you soon, Saints. And they playing them on Halloween. Like that is the most disrespectful. But funniest thing that I've ever seen. First of all, it's just going through your mind. What does Tom Brady know about Chief Keith? Like, <laughs> why Why is that your diss song? But it's just the fact that you did Justin Fields like that. I hope that wakes them up and shakes everybody. Like, Tom Key, Tom, I said Tom Key. Tom Brady is literally, like, going, like, Key. This, this man is going in. 
that was absolutely funny. Like, I, Tom Brady in a diss track. I haven't seen that since 2017. Falcon fans, if you know, you know. Just the real disrespect, you feel me? The ring, the ring still hurt. But on to our newer segment, one of the last things that we're going to talk about today. We are about to do a rookie report. Ever since the draft and then preseason, I have been big on the rookies because this is a totally new generation we had six rookie quarterbacks come in and actually start this year um whether they started week one or they're now starting from week two week three week four week five and week six you also kind of see some of the they're not technically rookies but newer quarterbacks are now getting a chance like Kyle Murray like Jalen Hurts it's amazing to see a new generation just starting to flood. Um, hopefully, we see Trey Lance um, very, very soon. I cannot wait for him to play. But this week, you know, for our bye week, we only got to see three. And these are my ratings. So for Zach Wilson, I'm going to have to give him a C-. minus. The They are just, they're not figuring it out. The Jets are not able the, they can't finish. They they remind me of an early Falcons team just a little bit, but the only difference is you're starting with a rookie quarterback. He just doesn't have that experience. He's just not tough enough to be able to finish and get those first downs and be able to score in the end zone, and definitely in the red zone like they need to. They're last in the division, actually last in the league when it comes to scoring in the red zone. So last week's performance just wasn't good for me. I'm going to have to give him a C-. Next, we got Mac Jones. I wasn't really looking at Mac Jones like that until that Bill Belichick and Brady matchup. I have never seen a rookie quarterback just fresh out of college really play toe-to-toe with one of the greatest that we have right now of all time, you know, excluding Brett Favre. So, um... He deserves to be plus for me. Now, this last performance that he had, it wasn't his greatest. I felt like he could have moved around the pocket a little more and take taken some advantages to some of the plays that they have. Other than that, they haven't been bad this season. They've actually started really well. After this last win, I mean, I, I can't really count it because it is the Jets. Um, but the blow was absolutely exceptional. The Patriots are now three and four, which is actually a better starting record than what Cam Newton started with when he was playing with Bill Belichick. So this is the only reason why I give him a B plus. Hopefully I can score him higher. And now we get to our last rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, who actually took the field after week three of Andy Dalton getting hurt. And it's been promised that as soon as Andy Dalton gets better he can take over the field but Justin Field had a two-game winning streak after losing his first game starting but then coming back with such confidence you know that loss against the Buccaneers really hurt but I don't think you should hold it down to the capabilities that he has but in this game he did play like a rookie not able to make quick decisions getting very very flustered frustrated with the offense and the defense he was just not in the mode to lose that badly you know what sometimes it happens it has to happen to your rookie however he did try to remain in high hopes towards the fourth quarter he knew you know what we're just going to come back and play better it is Tom Brady so you know I had to bump him down just because 
he is a rookie, but also his emotions and his smart decision playing wasn't there. But towards the end, he gave back. So a B minus just for this week. Hopefully, you know, I can have a better rookie report for you because I would love to go in depth about all the six players that we have. That's all I got for you guys today. I thank you guys for rocking with me. It's been absolutely fun. I enjoy being with you guys for the rest of this football season. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Post Radio. Thank you so much to my lovely co-host, Ariel Kilgore, for holding it down for me for the football show. Make sure to rock with her for the rest of the season. And also follow Post Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And also follow Randall Barnes and Ariel Kilgore on ColorCast because we might be casting a game really soon. But outside of that, thank you so much for listening to Post Radio. And as always, we will see you on the other side. You're listening to Pulse Radio. Tap, tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture.